Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. We proudly say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Today, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And when was Jesus born? Well, I did a little bit of math, and it was 2,022 years ago. (laughs) Feel free to laugh. (laughs) The whole world has been marked by the birth of Jesus. It's celebrated around the world. What a special day. And today, we want to share the original Christmas story, but from the perspective of the shepherds. And so let's read in the scriptures, Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is, the, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe, speaking of babes. Like a little baby or no, a good-looking like man? Good-looking man. Okay, oh, let's thank you. get back to the scripture. Appreciate here. it. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So there are shepherds that are responsible for taking care of the animals, the sheep, the livestock, and they have to protect them from threats like wolves that are coming to devour them or falling into a ditch. They have to get them right food and all of this stuff. And so I can imagine that at night, the scripture says they're watching their flock and they probably notice every sound. Is this a a bear? Is this a mountain lion? Is this a, a wolf that's coming to eat? Or what is that shadow? What was that little snapping of a twig I heard? They were probably just really on guard. And so then this angel shows up to give a really incredible message to these shepherds. And it says there's a bright light that shine. And the scripture says that the shepherds were filled with fear. And the angels say, fear not. And uh, I, I can understand why they would be afraid, though. They're watching at night, hearing everything. And when we think of angels in our society, we think of like cute little precious moments, kind of angels. We're like, oh, that's so cute. I need to put that in porcelain and put it in my house. Anybody have a precious moments collection here? Not judging you. Just uh, see this young man afraid to raise your hand. Did you really raise your hand? I don't know. I don't believe you. <laughs> He's like, I regret this. Anyways, uh, this is what we imagine when we think of angels. But let me give you a biblically accurate portrayal of what angels look like. Scary. So when the angels say, fear not, they had a reason. Read the scriptures for yourself. Anytime an angel shows up to humans, they have to say, fear not. That's why. <laughs> that is fear, yes. <laughs> so, so the angels are watching their flock by night. This angel comes with a message. They've got to be super scared. Yes. And have you ever been outside or maybe you've been on a hike? I'm not much of a hiker. I admit you can't hike in these heels. But I decided one time that I was going to go on a hike with my husband to be a good wife. Anybody else? Okay. So we go on this hike and he says, Amrita, I want 
want to go to Cougar Mountain here in Bellevue. Because Amritha describes herself as a cougar. I don't. I don't at all. I am older than him, but that's not true. Anyway, so he says, he says, um, let's go. I'm so like caught off guard by the the cougar. Okay, so he says, let's go to Cougar Mountain uh, here in Bellevue. And I'm like, can we not go to Cougar Mountain? There's a reason it's called Cougar Mountain. I heard, honey, that there was someone who was attacked by a cougar like last year or something. I don't remember when. And he was like, no, it's fine. Like, that's just like a myth. That doesn't really happen. It's just called Cougar Mountain. And I kid you not, we're walking up to the trailhead with our children, our small little babies, and at the trailhead, there is a sign that says, danger, someone was recently attacked by a cougar. Like, I'm not making this up. It literally said that, and I was like, I'm not going in there, I'm not going in there, and he's like, come on, it's like totally fine. They wouldn't have it open if we were gonna get attacked by a cougar. So I insist that we go on this natural, relaxing, scenic hike, and it is not relaxing at all. Because I see that sign, I'm a little worried. So every sound, every shadow, all the movement, I'm like, I got to keep a good poker face. Because she's watching me to see if I notice anything. And out of the corner of my eye, I see some sort of large animal. And I see it moving. I see there's fur. And I'm, I'm like, pretty and keep it cool, keep it cool. She reads my tense body language. It's like, what do you see? What do you see? And then she starts looking. And she sees the animal. And uh, she is wearing our daughter on yeah, her. I'm wearing my baby <laughs> on me. And I'm like, I'm out of here. And I just bolted out of there because I was not about to get attacked by a cougar. So she left me and our son to die. <laughs> she's like, I don't Some have... Some of us had to live. Yeah, she's like, I don't have to be faster than the cougar. I just have to be faster than my husband <laughs> and I will live. <laughs> so we get to the parking lot finally, catch up all reunited as a family, and uh, we see this animal walk into the parking lot. What is that? Well, turns out it was a poodle all along. <laughs> And so Somebody we, comes walking by with their little poodle, and we were like, we were scared of that. So we lived to tell the story. Yes, we lived. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's so many things in life. Like, I was in on that hike. There's so many things in life, I think, that keep us on edge and keep us just kind of on high alert and tense and stressed and anxious and all of these different feelings. And I imagine that the shepherds felt this way because you realize that it's got to be the hardest thing to do to keep sheep safe in the nighttime where you can't see anything. I mean, there were no street lights out in the middle of the pastor. So can you imagine being a shepherd in this story? You're trying to fall asleep and every little rustling of the grass, every little noise, every little whimper you just wake up to and you're just on high alert all the time because it's your responsibility to keep these sheep safe. And I don't know about you, but we have experienced what it's like to just live in this high alert, high stressed kind of environment and situation. And if we're vulnerable this morning, our family, Pastor Pradeep and I, we really struggle to not stress out and to just kind of calm down because we live in an environment in our home that can sometimes be pretty like hypervigilant and on alert. We have a little boy who's six years old. Those of you that attend our church know and love our son, Obi. He's six years old. He has special needs. And our son cognitively does not understand how to keep himself safe. 
And so every room that he goes into, we have to be watching him and making sure that things aren't coming out of the cupboards and he's not kicking his sister or there's just like things being damaged. I mean, in our own home, there's just this level of stress. There's this level of high alertness. You may not even have special needs in your home, but you can just sense it. It's like your walls are up. It feels like you just can't relax. It feels like you can't just settle in and just be calm. And we realize, I think, that we can tend to live in this state of hypervigilance. Everybody say hypervigilance. Okay, I want to read a definition to you. It says this, hypervigilance is a state of increased alertness. If you're in a state of hypervigilance, you're extremely sensitive to your surroundings. It can make you feel like you're alert to any hidden dangers, whether from other people or the environment. And I think that some of us really don't even realize how much we are living in high alert hypervigilance all the time. I mean, I don't know about you, but even in this economy, it just feels like I could lose my job at any time. I mean, recently Amazon laid off 20,000 people, right? I mean, the economy, even housing prices are going down, but we don't even have enough money to buy a house or whatever it looks like, or to go the next step in what we thought our life was going to be like. And so we live in this hyper alert, stressed out, unable to relax sort of situation. Are you tracking with me today? Do you feel that sometimes in your own home, as you're laying in bed, as you're getting up in the morning, the first thing is you're just, your body just gets tense and you're on high alert. You know, we want to ask this question today, this question as we really center around this story of the shepherds. What do we do with our fears in the middle of the night? How do we deal with this hypervigilance that we live in? And so we want to look at the lives of the shepherds and learn from them on this original Christmas story. And the first thing I want us to notice is, number one, the shepherds let go and let God. And I know this can be like a Christian cliche, but I think it's true. In verse 12 of the scripture, it says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And uh, before I I unpack why they were able to let go. I want us to understand why was this a sign for shepherds? Aren't all babies wrapped in cloths or onesies or diapers? Why would this be a sign for shepherds? Because if you're like me, I'd be like, okay, if I find a baby in a cloth, they're suddenly the savior of the world. Every baby is the savior of the world. Every baby is Jesus. Have you ever wondered why was this a sign for them that you'd find a baby in a cloth? And so I think we need to understand that these shepherds weren't just ordinary shepherds. Biblical scholars would describe them as Levitical shepherds, meaning that they were raising specific sheep that would have been used for the temple sacrificial system in Jewish worship. We live in a society where it's easy to cancel someone. It's easy to call someone out when they're doing wrong, but we don't really, as a society, offer a path for people to get uncanceled, to be restored. Justice for us is punishment, not restoration. And so in the Jewish system, they would say, hey, if you made mistakes, we don't just want to abandon you. We want to restore you to society, but we need a system. So they would actually place all the sins of people into these perfect lambs, kill them so that people had a pathway to say, I'm forgiven by God. Well, these shepherds are told, 
You will have a sign. You will see a baby in cloths in a manger. This will be a sign to you. Well, when they would raise their Levitical sheep for the temple worship, they would take the perfect lamb and they would wrap them in these specific swaddling cloths in the original language. And they would place them in a stone manger that was commonly found in these shepherd's caves where Jesus was born. And so when they saw that combination, they realized, oh my goodness, we are raising these sheep for sacrifices, but the perfect lamb of God is here and his name is Jesus. Basically, they're saying we don't have to work anymore because God's work is here. We're out of a job and this is a good thing. And this is a story of Christmas because Jesus is the lamb who comes to take away the sins of all humanity to help us experience a fresh start and righteousness to be uncanceled when we have been canceled. Because the fact of Christmas is Jesus did not come just to be born, but to die. And he died on the cross and absorbed all of our past, our sin, our violence, our failures. And there is a path for us to all experience life through the death of Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen? Amen. And so this was good news to them. This was a sign to them. And I know we live in a culture where we're working so hard and we're afraid of losing our jobs. Like, I mean, I, I, I just posted some pictures online and I got some messages saying, Pastor Pradeepin, those pictures you posted of yourself are inappropriate. They're not right. And here's one of them. And I used artificial intelligence, an app called Lenza, to make these pictures. So what you do is you submit some real pictures, and then they use artificial intelligence to make these works of beautiful art. I don't really see the difference between my real pictures and what this made personally, because this is actually how I see myself. And that guy's a little skinnier than I am, but <laughs> I think he looked pretty good. But artists are... <laughs> They're not showing my pictures. <laughs> no. Only pretty okay. bits. Artists reach out to me, and I, I get it. They're saying, hey, uh, these pieces of art are actually stealing work from other creatives, and the AI is scanning other people's work, and they're just kind of claiming it as their own, and now people who used to commission artists like this are using AI. So it's not a good thing we're losing these jobs. So Pradeepin, if you could just like maybe not use that or things like that. And so that is a bad nerve wracking situation when you're a creative and you feel like you're losing your job to the fourth industrial revolution, the AI. Sorry, don't get me started on that. But anyways, uh, these shepherds would have had an opposite feeling because they were, yes, they were out of a job, but they're saying, oh, we don't have to work for our own salvation anymore. We don't have to work for our own healing and resolution anymore because God's work is greater than my work. And for those of us who are in a state of hypervigilance and you feel like you just have to work and work and work to be safe, you have to work and work and work so hard to move forward, uh, and you feel like your righteousness and your holiness and your future is all dependent on yourself, the beauty of Christmas is that God's work is greater than our work. And yes, these uh, shepherds are raising sheep, but the perfect lamb of God has come. And all we have to do is not work for that salvation. We simply receive it. And that's the beauty of Christmas. You know, my family is from an island nation called Sri Lanka. My dad used to 
manage over 2,000 people for a tea plantation in Sri Lanka. He was a man in charge, but then when he immigrated during a time of civil war to America, he was a practicing Hindu but couldn't find a temple to worship at. Suddenly, he didn't have a job anymore, and it was hard to get a job. He had to start from scratch. His education wasn't respected, and my family decided that they were going to end their lives by jumping off of a bridge because they didn't feel like they could work hard enough for a good future for the family. And then a pastor ran into them and said, you don't have to do that. In fact, why don't you live with me and my family in a trailer home? And my dad, who was used to being in charge for working to fight for his future, all he could do was simply receive love. And I'm so proud that he did. In humility, he said, I will allow you to love me and my family. My work isn't doing it, but I will receive your work, your love. And that is what God does for us. We don't earn his love. We simply receive it. And that's the good news of Christmas. Can I get a good amen? And so today, I want to challenge you with 1 Peter, just like the shepherds. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Amen. Amen. The second thing that we see about the shepherds here in the scripture is the shepherds were found by God. They were found by God. And one of the things that we have to understand contextually is that in this society, shepherds were seen as lowly people. They were oftentimes in poverty. They were not very popular. They were not famous. They were not wealthy. They were pretty unimportant in this society. And actually, even more crazy is that they were actually considered, catch this, ceremonially uncleaned by religious standards to worship in the temple. Have you ever felt like you're just too unclean and too sinful to go to church, to come and worship, to come and be somebody who could be loved by God with all of the mess of your background? Have you ever felt that before? And this was actually the rule and the law of the shepherds. They could not go in and worship. But here's the reality of the situation. God chose, no matter, didn't matter how wealthy, it doesn't matter how smart, it doesn't matter how much, how rich we are, God chose to show up up to the shepherds first to announce that Jesus Christ had been born. Isn't that wild? I mean, they were not important people. The world would not have chosen them for God to reveal himself to, to tell them first about Jesus. And yet God, he said, I love and I see these lowly shepherds and I'm going to show up to them first. And I want us to understand that God came to rescue us from darkness, from this hyper-vigilant, anxiety-driven, almost like some of us just find ourselves in depression, in darkness. God came to rescue us. God came. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. God sees you. And he is coming to you like he came to the shepherds. The shepherds didn't find God until God found them. And I think that this is really relatable. I have experienced this in my own life where I feel like God has revealed himself to me. I wasn't even looking. Anybody else been there? You have tried to run from God. I see some heads shaking. You've tried to run from God and you just at some point, you just said, I can't run anymore. God has come to me. 
He's come to me. I have a personal story in my life where my whole existence, even standing here on this stage today, started with God showing up in my life in a profound way. When I was born, I was born in the nation of India, and on the first day of my birth, I was abandoned and left at the doorstep of a missionary woman. I was literally probably two or three hours old when I was abandoned. And I was left there. And long story short, I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a second. I ended up being adopted by God-fearing people who were from the state of Kansas, everybody. Like, I grew up in small town in the sticks, Kansas. There were no stoplights. It was real small town. I mean, I tell people, I'm brown on the outside, but I am all Kansas on the inside, okay? Like, I am a lover of really good steak because we homegrown our beef cattle, okay? Like that, amen. That is the way that I was raised. We ate casseroles. I mean, Kansas is all within me, okay? And that's how I grew up. But this is what happened. It took four years for my adoption to be finalized. And my mom and dad had to fight every year to make this happen. And many people told them to give up. And they ran out of money. They had nothing. And they were coming after a daughter that they had never met. And they were coming after someone that really couldn't offer them anything. I was completely dependent upon them. And at the end of the journey, they did have enough money, scraped up enough money for my mother, who had never left the country, to fly across to uh, across the world to India, one plane ticket. She had to go by herself to get me and my sister. And I want to tell you this. God showed up in my life like he showed up to the shepherds. And my mother, she came to me. And here I was, this lowly kind of orphan baby who has all kinds of needs. And do you realize that I grew up in a world because of Jesus where I understood that I am a valuable, worthy human being loved by God and only saved by him. Isn't that incredible? And I want you to know that he he is showing up for you today. Just like he showed up to the shepherds, he's showing up for you today. So if that's you and you're sitting this morning in hypervigilance, you're tense, you're stressed, you're like, you know what? I am a mess. If the pastors knew how much of a mess my life is, can I just tell you you're in the right place? And can I tell you something about church? You are in the right place where you are loved and accepted by God exactly where you are. And there is not a single person in this room who is judging you or your story. That is true about church, or it should be. Amen? And maybe church is a hard place for you because there has been pain associated with church. And I just want to tell you that no matter how hurt or how messy or how sinful your life is, God will show up to you. Pastor Pradeepan and I, we pray all the time that people who feel broken, who feel dark, who feel kind of lowly and unimportant, we hope that you show up at this church so God can meet you. So he can reveal himself to you in power powerful and strong ways. You are a valuable and worthy person to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so the third thing we see in the story of the shepherds and how they responded to hypervigilance is the shepherds received the message and responded. 
Let's catch up with the story in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled and those things which were told to them by the shepherds. And so they received the message from the angels, but they didn't just debate it or process it or ponder upon it, wonder about it. They decided to actually respond to the message. And so they didn't leave God on read. What do I mean by that? Well, there's sometimes I text people in this room, and I know you got the message, but you don't respond. Not trying to look at anybody specifically, but you're in this room. And I, I know it, it's through because I'm on other group texts with you, and you're re responding over there. But when I text you privately, <laughs> come on, man. You're not responding. So that's leaving someone on red. You tracking with me? Any, anybody doing that to me currently? Thank you. I, I, actually, I think it's, Amrita was saying after I was going to say, mostly pretty been leaves. I, th I think I'm projecting my faults on all of you. I'm sorry. Most of the time, I'm not responding to you all. Anybody still waiting for me to respond? Sorry. Okay. Anyway, that's leaving someone on red. You got the message, but you just didn't respond. In fact, uh, for the last month, I have a friend. He's a pastor in another state, and we usually text and call each other pretty regularly. But he has not been responding to me for like the, almost the last month, three weeks. And I said, Amrita, I think this pastor is leaving me on red. He's not responding. She's like, no, he's your friend. He loves you. He wanted to just do that. He's not ignoring you. I, was, I said, I think he's ignoring me. And I'm not making this up. About four days ago or so, I, I texted him again, and he responds, Hey, Pradeep, I'm sorry. I've been ignoring you and avoiding you. I'm like, aha! I was right. I feel great and horrible, but I was right. <laughs> he's, like, I've been he's like, I've been going through a real uh, point of pain in my life. I'm really worried about the church. I'm honestly a little embarrassed about how we're doing, so I just, I didn't want you to see how I was really doing, so I chose to avoid you. Have you ever been like that? You just like, you feel so bad about where you're at or embarrassed. You don't want to small talk. You don't want people to ask you the hard questions of life, so you just leave it on red. Well, that's, that's what he was doing to me. And the shepherds, they get a message about good news in the middle of their darkness, but they didn't leave God on red. In fact, they actually responded to the message received from the angels. And it says that they went to Jesus with haste. They went to him quickly. And, and being honest with all of us today, I believe that many of us have heard the message of Jesus. We've been in Christmas services. Maybe we grew up in church, but for too long, we've, read, we've left God unread. We've just, we've received the message, but we haven't chose to go to Jesus, to respond to him, to give him our heart, give him our worship. You know, my, my family went to church basically one time a year, and it was for Christmas services. And for so long, I heard the message of Christmas. I heard about Jesus. I heard about all these wonderful things like the shepherds. But I never responded to it. And I started to just live according to my own way. And I remember being a person named Pradeep and Jeevamanohar in Sivaretnam and living in a place called Coon Rapids, Minnesota. I never felt fully Minnesotan or Sri Lankan. I felt kind of like an outcast, like 
maybe these shepherds felt like all alone in the middle of the night. And to be honest, it, it created some great insecurities. Maybe that's why I'm making all these AI pictures of myself. It, it created like, I, I just felt less than, to be honest, and it welled up in depression. And it got so bad that I, I attempted to end my life and start getting in a lot of trouble. I started getting arrested. And I remember my dad picking me up from a jail cell. I had to move across the state of Minnesota. And just things were falling apart. And, and there's this girl who invited me to church. And I was like, ah, I've been to church before, but something was different this time. I decided to respond. And I went, and honestly, I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I need your light in my darkness. I need your hope in my despair. Because this self-work, taking care of myself all by myself, it's, it's not working. I just feel stressed and anxious and like I'm less than. God, I need a work that's greater than my own work. God, I feel like an outcast, but would you come to me like you did to the shepherds? And I want to respond to the good news of Christmas. And he changed my life forever. Following Jesus, to be honest, is the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. And my prayer for all of us today is that we wouldn't just celebrate Christmas today, but we would experience the hope of light invading darkness the hope of joy invading sadness, the hope of peace entering our hyper-vigilance, the good news of Christmas, and Christmas always starts at night, but the good news of Christmas is you don't have to be strong enough. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to strive and stress and be anxious to take care of yourself. In fact, the scripture says, we can cast our cares on God, and he will take care of us. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Would you go to Jesus this Christmas? Would you respond to his message of love, his invitation? Would you let, let him carry the weight off of your shoulders? Would you exchange your work for his work? Because it's great, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. And I believe that there are people, you came to church today because maybe this Christmas service represents the last hope of you ever finding hope. Maybe some of us are, are feeling, I need forgiveness. I need a fresh start. I need to be uncanceled. Some of us are feeling so alone. Some of us are looking for that next step forward. And I'm telling you, we can all respond to Jesus right now as we are. And so what I want to do is create a holy moment, an environment where we can bring our lives, our hearts, and respond to Jesus, where we can go to Jesus because he wants you. He loves you. He likes you. He has an amazing plan for you. And as we draw near to God, we can believe that he draws near to us. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.com. 
shirts. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.